Good evening, boys and girls. Welcome to another live edition of the Highbury Squad. It is the day after the night before where not much happened, but let's not forget the club that we are. Ruth Beck Art, once again, thank you so much, Ruth, for letting us use your beautiful art. As we remind ourselves, we are the Arsenal. Here we go with a wonderful guest, Kevin Hatchard. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Good evening, boys and girls. Welcome to another live edition of the Highbury Squad. Many of you have written in saying, Sofa, can't take it anymore. I need a break. I'm like, fine, take a break and listen on replay. Um, today's going to be a wonderful show. Welcome back to the podcast. My brother from another mother, Mr. Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell. Squaddies, whether you're taking a break or not, <laughs> we're the Arsenal at ease. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Good evening to all the usual suspects in the house and welcome to our very special guest. He is one of my favourites. I think he knows that. If you're talking about European football and knowledge of the beautiful game, there is no one other than Mr. Kevin Hatchard, TV broadcaster, voiceover for the Bundesliga in English, um, writer extraordinaire, journalist for UEFA. He does all the voiceovers for UEFA.com. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kevin Hatchard. If I've forgotten anything, let everyone know. I'm going to get you to do my PR in future. Yes. Tremendous. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped now. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, you guys, we've got Kevin for about 30 minutes plus added time, as we always do here on um, the Highbury Squad. Good evening, everyone. Um, I've had a little bit of time to digest. Kev, I wanted to start with a little bit of a general kind of transfer response from you versus kind of getting stuck into the Arsenal and where we go from here. I was really surprised that not only did we... Okay, I, I think I need to put a disclaimer on the show every time we start now. We know we had to get rid of the Deadwood. We're so happy we did. But you know what? It's also good to bring players in. I'm going to make that for the rest of the season. Mr. Kevin Hatchard, are you surprised that Arsenal, West Ham... Manchester United may be different because Ralph might not be there, so they might, not, they might not have wanted to trust him with the investment. Tottenham bought two players that weren't really getting a lot of playtime from Juventus, but you could argue Antonio Conte could get the best out of them. Then you question Canny when he couldn't with Ndombele and Deli Alli. Are you surprised that those teams fighting for fourth did not go strong in this transfer market? Yeah, I think so. I think West Ham's a good example because I think they were crying out for a bit of depth because you've got to bear in mind they're still very much involved in that Europa League campaign and they've taken that tournament seriously from the get-go. So that suggests to me they're going to pick strong teams in that competition. And I think they would look at a team like Burnley and think, well, hang on, they've just gone and bought Wout Weghorst. Why couldn't we have done that? Because he came for a pretty reasonable fee they're crying out for an alternative to Mikel Antonio. As good as he is, he can't play every game. And so I'm surprised they didn't make more moves. But West Ham have spent a lot of money over the last few transfer windows. So I guess there comes a point where you say, well, this is a strong squad and, and maybe we've done enough. I find the Tottenham situation interesting because 
Luis Diaz was linked and it was their interest in Diaz that tipped Liverpool the wink that this was a deal that could be done because Liverpool were interested in him for a long time. But as soon as they realised that Porto were no longer sticking to that 80 million euro release clause, they thought, ah, this is something we can do. And so Tottenham therefore were uh, kind of relegated to the back of the queue. So I do like the signings Tottenham have made. I love Kulusevski. I think he's a really interesting player. I think he's a hard worker. I think he's a bright kid, really intelligent, not just in football, but beyond that as well. Mm -hmm. He's versatile. He can play wide. He can play through the centre, which is what he did when he was an academy player at Atalanta. Ben Tancur, I think, is a very interesting player. He was a big part of what Juventus did under Maurizio Sarri. Sarri's kind of player, moves the ball well, progressive passer, somebody who can maybe control the game a little bit better. So I think Spurs, in terms of quantity, haven't done much, but in terms of quality, I think they're two really interesting signings. I guess with Arsenal, you just have to look over the entire season. So they did a lot of business in the summer. They brought in a good centre-back in, in Ben White or Benjamin White. I don't know what we're calling him nowadays. If he it's Benjamin, Benjamin for sure. <laughs> I think we should be calling him Benjamin. So there we go. Uh, Ramsdale, I got wrong. I'll admit that. I'll freely admit that having seen Ramsdale before, I wasn't totally convinced. I felt it was a risk. But he, he's been excellent in the games that I've seen. I think mm -hmm. he's been not only good in terms of the goalkeeping side of it, but in terms of the leadership aspect as well, which... I'm sure you guys will know better than me and will probably agree with me that the one thing Arsenal lead is leaders and they need characters. And he's both of those. So I think that was a great signing. I like Tommy Yasu. Uh, Sambi Lakonga, I think there's there's a player in there. I think there's definitely something there to work with. I don't think he should be written off too early. So they did a lot of business in the summer. This feels to me, this window, like a bit of a gamble in the sense that they've said, well, look, we can't do the deals we want to do now. We're going to wait to the end of the season. Financially, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Long-term strategy, that makes sense. But the caveat is this. If, because they haven't strengthened and because they've let a fair few players go, if they then miss out on a Champions League spot, or heaven forbid they miss out on Europe entirely, then it's going to be much, much harder to bring in the targets that they want. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, it's a double-edged sword for us, I think, because we've been wanting to get rid of the Deadwood for so long. And you mentioned those players that we signed in the summer. And I think a lot of us sensible Arsenal fans were looking at, we're not asking for the £100 million player, Kev. We're not asking for the sexy name on the back of the shirt because nobody, and, and you know, Kev and I stood by the new signings from day one, and there was a big meltdown when we did sign Tommy Yasu and Ben White and and Ramsdale, even Nuno and, and Sambi in some ways. They have worked out. I think the toughest part is this, and, and let us know what you think, because we've discussed this a lot. We found ourselves in, a, in an improbable situation to finish fourth. I don't think many Arsenal fans and many pundits, journalists, media people thought Arsenal would even be in a shout for fourth this particular season because we still had to clear the decks. And it feels like the club have stuck to their strategic objectives and what their plan was from the get-go. We're going to spend this money in the summer. We're going to get rid of the Deadwood in January and maybe the following summer. And this is just me thinking, this is just my opinion. I'm not saying I know for a fact 
that this happened. But after now, after the, the, the transfer window has, has closed, it, this is what it smacks of to me. What, what are your thoughts? You, you, and it is a big gamble because with two or three injuries away from disaster and maybe finishing eighth again, why didn't we go find a Tomiyasu in midfield or a Tomiyasu up front or a, the same type of DNA profile and character that we did in the summer? situation in a way because they were very very strongly linked with Vlajevic and it seems like that interest was there I don't think that was ever a realistic deal because I think he always felt that he wanted to stay in Italy he was proven in Italy he was settled in Italy and as soon as he realized that Juventus were serious about making the numbers work that was a move that he wanted to make but it was being very strongly briefed that Arsenal were in for him so if that's true, if we take that to be true, that means that they were prepared to pull the trigger on big transfers if they landed in their lap. And if perhaps they felt they could get Isaac mid-season, maybe they'd have gone for that. But that's going to be a huge amount of money to release him from Real Sociedad. And I don't think he'd have necessarily wanted to go mid-season anyway. Hmm. Then it becomes about a decision about do you go back to square one and you make some risky signings and you flood the squad just to try and finish fourth. Now, I understand the opportunity because it's a big opportunity to finish in the Champions League. And it's not just about money. It's about putting the flag in the sand and saying we're back and saying that we are a serious football club and saying to these potential signings, you can come to us and get all of the good things about Arsenal anyway, the stadium, the fan base, the history, you name it. But you also get to play Champions League football. However, if you don't make it and you flooded the squad with numbers, players who improve the squad but don't improve the team, you're kind of back to square one. So in that way, I support what they've done, in a sense, because they've at least said, well, OK, we are looking at this long term We've let players go. We've saved up that money and we'll go again in the summer. But there is an element of risk there. And as I'm sure we'll talk about, I think there are players they could have persevered with who they've let go. And I think a little bit more imagination and a little bit more leadership, they could have found a happy medium. Okay, so I have to pounce on that. Who are the players we should have persevered with? Most Arsenal fans definitely think Maitland-Niles is one of them, but I'm just wondering if you think there are some that you cover in, in Europe. Um, who, who are the players, Kev, for you? Well, I just think Maitland-Niles is an interesting one to me because Roma were very, very keen to get him as soon as they realised he was going to be available. And I know he's had chances, but you get the sense with him, he feels he hadn't had a fair shake. He feels that he hadn't had maybe enough opportunities to shine. So it's a really difficult one, that, because is the player good enough or has he? have we not really been able to find out? Again, you guys would know that better than me, but I've always found him quite a curious player. But the one that screams out to me, really, is Aubameyang. Because I think mm. when you look at his situation, you have to bolt that onto the Mesut Ozil situation. Because you've now got two players with really impressive track records in general, I think it's fair to say, mm -hmm. who were on massive contracts. And the club have made the decision, you are no longer going to 
be part of our first team picture. Now, I would not defend all of Ozil's behaviour. I would not defend all of Aubameyang's behaviour, although I think there are lots of complex issues with that, with his mother being ill, with the illness that he's had. He had malaria, he had COVID. So there, there are lots of factors there. But I just wonder if an elite coach like a Guardiola, like a Klopp, maybe would have found a way to get more out of them and find a way to say, well, look, you can't have the same approach for every player. I can understand why Mikel Arteta might say, look, I cannot have this behaviour because if you behave like this, all of the players will behave like this and I've got no authority. But there are some coaches in history and now who would have said to some of the other players, look, I know I'm giving him more leeway than I'm giving you, but he's the guy that could win us the game at the weekend. So I have to be a little bit more laissez-faire with him than I am with you. And there are managers who've done that in the past. There are managers who've said, look, I've got a star player here who has a proven track record, who can win games for us, but he's a problem. He is trouble and he doesn't always listen to what we say. And sometimes he bends the rules and sometimes he breaks them. Now, I know the football, the general reaction in football is to say, we'll get rid of them then. But I just wonder with a little bit more leeway, a little bit more imagination, you can get a bit more out of these players. Super Kev, you've said a lot of uh, many times on this show um, when I've questioned handling players in different ways, some players getting more leeway, you've always said that's just how it is, that you would be treated differently to Tony Adams. But, you know, as captain of Everton, when Rooney's coming through the ranks, you know, you're getting treated differently to a young Wayne Rooney. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned that the toughest part for you with Aubameyang, you supported him hugely but the minute he didn't respond or apologize or come out and say i'm sorry this is where i want to be that's where your support for him fell apart what's your response to kev's comment on oba well my, my first point is we don't know if he was given leeway he was the captain kev so i i i don't for one minute think it was the first or only time he's not turned up yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think um, you're right. So, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to a point like you're in COVID protocol and you agree, fair enough, your mum's not well, by all means, go. But make sure you're back because you need to do it this way. You're the captain of the football club. You agree and you don't turn up. That is a huge problem. And I'm sure there would have been other stuff that we don't know about. So, you know, there's some, there's certain things that are, are non-negotiables or whatever. And if you're, if you're captain of the football club, you're supposed to be the standard bearer. And Aubameyang was not the standard bearer. So I wonder if that was a mistake, Kev. I wonder if that, I wonder if giving him that captaincy Kev, was Kev, whether we agree with it, whether we agree with it or not, he was the captain. He took it. He was proud to have it. So if you're going to be the captain, there comes responsibility with that armband. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And if, if he's, and if he's going to err and not do the right things, that's why he got stripped. And then we get back to, okay, you get stripped of the captaincy. His form was really poor, Kev. Really poor. 
So if you get stripped to the captaincy, you, obviously you come out, you're committed to the club, you come out and say, listen, I'm no longer captain, but I'm still committed to the football club or, you know, I can't wait to get back training with my teammates, you know, up, and, and get back on the pitch and scoring goal. Say something, but he said yeah. nothing. And that's where I thought, you know what, he wants out. And um, real quick before we move um, to uh, a, a, another um, thread here, Kev, one, one of the things a lot of people say is man management and their modern day players are a bit more mollycoddled. They want their arms around them. Look what's happened to Deli Ali at Tottenham after Pochettino left. You know, look what's happened at Arsenal. Um, you know, uh, Wenger mollycoddled Ozil. Emery tried everything to remove the Ozil um, and the click from the dressing room. Unfortunately, he didn't get the same support in the hierarchy that Arteta has now. He's been able to do those things. Um, do you think that also when you look at Arteta's man management, and we talk about this a lot on the show, you know, Genduzi is doing great at Marseille. Saliba, you know, has never really played for Arsenal, even though he's cost us 27 million. You have a good kid like Dinos Mavrobanos, who's doing great at uh, Stuttgart and has really just put his head down and got to work. Torreira was a different issue. He just didn't want to live in London. Uh, Xhaka gets sent off, gets patted on the back. Pepe gets sent off, is kind of scolded. What, what's your take from an outsider point of view who isn't an Arsenal fan looking in on that part of it? Because that's an issue for some Arsenal fans in terms of how some players are managed versus others. It's a really difficult one because... You either go with what we've just talked about, which is having an approach where different players need different things and you're prepared to do that, or you say we have the same approach to every single player. And he seems to have fallen between both of them. And we've got to bear in mind, he's a vastly experienced guy in football in terms of being a player, being mm -hmm. a leader, all of that stuff. He's a very inexperienced coach. You know, I think we forget that sometimes. I think because he was an experienced player and because he's been in charge of Arsenal for, for quite a while now, I think we do forget the fact that he's learning on the job. So if he is making mistakes in this regard, it's kind of understandable. Obviously, you learn a lot from Guardiola, but until you do it, until the buck stops with you, it's then very difficult and it's a very high-pressure job. So, if he does make these mistakes, it's kind of not that surprising, really. Sometimes with him, I feel, and I'm, I'm not sure why he does it, but there have been games I've seen where Arsenal have not played particularly well, where he'll come out and defend the players, and games when he won't. And even that seems inconsistent sometimes. So, there was a game against Villa where... If you looked at every metric, I think Villa were ahead in every metric and Villa won the game. And he came out and said how well Arsenal had played and how he thought they dominated the game. And it just came across as very disingenuous. But then you'll get other games where you think, oh, maybe they've not played that badly and it'll absolutely hammer them. <laughs> so it's a strange one for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want him to do well. I, I want Arsenal to do well because I think it's a healthier Premier League if they do. But he is playing catch-up with the culture that was there before. And I think I could understand why a lot of Arsenal fans would feel that the pace of change has been a bit too slow. 
Okay, so we didn't bring in anyone in well we we have we two MLS players who aren't going to be here until the summer. Um and to be honest, covering MLS here, I've said my piece on Matt Turner. He's a really good goalkeeper. He is he's kept Zach Steffen out of the team at times. Um, Golden Glove winner at Gold Cup, which is our version of the Euros, as I've I've told our listeners. Um, played for Bruce Arena, great coach. You know, Bob Bradley was the coach that came into English football. I've always wanted to see what Bruce Arena could do um, in English football. Manage some of the best players, including David Beckham and Landon Donovan, um, and a perennial winner. Um, uh, Austin Trusty's a little bit different. Um, but he also helped Colorado Rapids, Stan Kroenke's team, win the Western Conference for the very first time. Aside from that, Kev, we're looking to the summer now. <laughs> and if people thought there was a meltdown this January with not bringing anyone in, we've reduced this wage bill that everyone keeps banging on about, um, which, by the way, was at its highest last season under um, Mikel Arteta. And if anyone can see it here, I'll bring it up. This is how it's been since 2014. It was at its high under Emery in 1718 and under Arteta in 2021. We get Aubameyang's wages off and everyone lords Arteta for it, but yet he was the one that gave Aubameyang that contract, gave a new contract to Xhaka after he flirted with wanting to leave um, to play for Jose Mourinho at, Ro at, in, at Roma. I'm going to throw some... Who should we be looking at? Talent-wise, Kev, I've got some names for you here, um, which haven't been said out loud a lot by some fans. I've got Jao Felix, who's been up and down at Atletico, Jonathan David, Danielle Malin, and you're going to correct me on the, I love the pronunciations being the commentator for Amazon. Um, you're going to teach me some things. Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, who seems to be Tottenham, a Tottenham favorite, Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson. There's a few Americans there, but talk to me about where we should be looking. Like what should Arsenal be doing in the summer? Well, I mean, Daniel Marlon, of course, Arsenal know because he was on their books. Exactly. So, uh, and we let him go for like half a million or something. Yeah. So there's one that got away, and he's a guy that is super focused. I think it's taken him a while to get to where he wanted to be. And even at Dortmund, he made a fairly slow start. And he hasn't been, you know, consistent all the way through. But there have been glimpses of what he can do at Borussia Dortmund. But he's very direct, he's quick. Um, and I think there's definitely an interesting player there. Jonathan David, I think he's the kind of player that Arsenal should be looking at because if you look at what he's done in high-pressure games for Canada, he won the league and a title with Lille last season against mm -hmm. the odds. He's been consistent. He's explosive. He's exciting. And he's the kind of guy that relatively in the market you would think Arsenal could, could be able to get in terms of the finance financial aspect of it if you look at something I mean, one player you, i don't think you mentioned there is alexander isaac now for me the the, the release clause is, is big at the moment but you'd think the summer is going to be the time when clubs really go for him and he is unusual he can link play he can come up with a goal from nothing he is a very instinctive player he's someone that worked incredibly well uh, with Erdegaard at Real Sociedad. Mm -hmm. So there's potentially a click there if they were to bring him in. So 
that there are players there in terms of forwards, and that's an area they're going to have to look at. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. question about that. Obviously, Anketi is going to go. Lacazette, you know, is not the answer long term. So that feels like where most of the finance probably needs to go. And that seems to be what a lot of Arsenal fans have been saying in this window, that they need a big signing in attack, unless you're going to play Martinelli through the middle. And that, of course, is not necessarily a, a bad idea. I think he he certainly has potential through the middle. Um, but somebody like Isaac, Jonathan Davids, that's the kind of young, hungry player that I think Arsenal should be looking at. Um, you mentioned Weston McKenney. I'm not sure about him. I really, really like his enthusiasm. I like his work rate on the field. I know he's had a few issues off the field, but that's just part of growing up, I think. And he's done better at Juve than I expected. In the long term, I'm just not sure. It would feel like a risk for me. I think the physical element, he'd do well in the Premier League, but... I'm not sure top, top level, whether he's quite there. Um, but yeah, I think certainly in attack, guys like Isaac and David are the ones that Arsenal should look at. Hmm. Probably really? both. We need, Kev's always said we need two. Do we need to bring in two strikers? If the finances allow. I mean, David is not going to go cheap, obviously. Isaac has a big release clause and Real Sociedad don't mess about. And both of those players are going to have big markets in terms of the clubs that are going to be interested. But as you say, they've slashed the wage bill. So it's about how much is truly available to make those deals work. But if they could, yeah, signing two would be a big, big statement. But that might depend on whether they make the top four. Is Isaac worth the 75 million buyout clause, Kev? Is he he scored four goals so far this season? Is that due to the team? Is it a lack of what you know? I I I I think Veghorst is the one we let go let get away in this window in terms of thirteen million. What a bargain! Look at his goal stats. I mean, I, I know he's only scored six this season, but it's like I think seventeen, fifteen, sixteen the last three. He yeah. provides that aerial threat. Um, Arteta loves playing him from the f- uh, flanks, especially. Tierney crossing in the ball. What, what, what are your thoughts on Isaac's release clause versus being able to maybe have pushed for that top four with a veg horse? I know you mentioned him for West Ham, but I actually think he could have done a good job for us. Yeah, I agree. They do play in crosses, don't they? And I think he he is excellent in the air, veg horse. He's six foot six. Uh, he's good on the floor as well. Uh, good at linking the play. His record is pretty much one in every two games until this season, but Wolfsburg have been an absolute disaster this season. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we can judge this in by this season, really. And in general, yeah, he would have been a relatively cheap pickup. And I'm amazed that more clubs than Burnley didn't move in. Um, with Isaac, it's a really interesting one because he's quite unusual. He, he is. His skill set is quite unusual. There's no guarantee he would get you a ton of goals. What he would bring, though, is he would open up spaces for others. And he does that incredibly well. And sometimes that can be as valuable because if you've got a prolific goal scorer alongside him, then that works perfectly. So I think scouts do look at Isaac and think, well, actually, you know, there's a really, really good player there. And he has had seasons where he scored goals. So 
I think if you purely judge him on goal scoring, you're not necessarily getting the full picture. In terms of is he worth the money, I always think the same about valuations in the market. A player is only worth what someone else is prepared to pay. That's Mm -hmm. the basic truth of it. And also a player will be worth more to a club that really needs him than to a club that doesn't. So... That is the price because Real Sociedad have said, well, you're not going unless somebody matches the price. So at the moment, that's where it is. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting situation that we find ourselves in. Um, talk to me about who you think we should be looking at. I've mentioned some names to you. You watch the game and have so much great knowledge We've got some good players that I think could help us right now, but we're not going to get into that because we've talked about that ad nauseum as Arsenal fans in terms of the Mavrobanos, Genduzi, Torreras and Salabas of the world. Salabas the biggest pickle of all for a lot of Arsenal fans because they're like, why, why, why? But as we're building the new Arsenal, the DNA uh, and the profile, Kev, and knowing our structure, our business model, right, self-sustaining, who should we be looking at? Where? Well, I like the business they did in terms of Erdegaard coming in because I think you've now got some really creative players in that area. You've got him, Smith Rose, great player. There's a real spark about him. I really like um, what he's capable of bringing to the table. I think Saka's a terrific player. I've got a huge amount of time for Bukayo. I think he's a wonderful player, and the longer you can keep him, the better it will be, because I just think he's going to get better and better and better. It's quite interesting that I've just seen a, a comment go through there about Mavropanos and Saliba need to come back. And you kind of think, well, why not? I, I mean, Mavropanos is a really a really difficult one to judge because he's mm-hmm. in a, a very poor Stuttgart team. It's been hit really hard by injury. And I just think it would be a risk in a way, but I, I, I like the work rate. I like the physicality. I like the comfort on the ball. You listen to Sven Mislin talk about him. He's obsessed with him. <laughs> he talks about him in glowing terms every time he talks about him. And with Saliba as well. I mean, he's a regular in Liga. And I just think you've got them on the books. Why not? But there are clearly, there's clearly some kind of difference of opinion there uh, between Arteta and Saliba for whatever reason. Um, He doesn't seem to fancy him. Um, In terms of the overall, as I say, striker is a, a clear issue. I think Arsenal really need to be looking in the bracket of early to mid-20s, hungry, looking to make that next step to a top football club. So Jonathan Davids is at Lille. You've got a situation where Isaac is at Real Sociedad. Arsenal is clearly a level above clubs like that. And so it's about convincing clubs, I think, with, with Arsenal and convincing players that this is a place where youngsters can flourish. And I think they've got a bit of damage to repair in that regard because mm-hmm. Genduzi and look, Genduzi is a is a difficult guy to manage. So I, I would put that caveat in there right there. <laughs> but Saliba, Genduzi, Mavropanos, there are young players in Europe that would look at that and think, ah, okay, that's not great. 
what's helped is the fact that Saka, Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, guys like that are in the team and flourishing. And so, Martinelli, yeah. Yeah, Martinelli is another one. So you need to prove to you. I think about Borussia Dortmund a lot when I think about development and I think about where you go as a football club if you're not in title contention. And at the moment, you're not. So I look at Dortmund and what they do. And what they do is they say to Jude Bellingham, Erling Haaland, guys like that, look what we've done for players in the past. So Jaden Sancho came to the club, got game time, was given time to develop, was given a bit of leeway at times and became a, a top player. And I believe he will show that at Manchester United. Jude Bellingham is the same. Came into the team, plays plays every game, plays every game. And I they were happy player. to say to an 18-year-old, we believe that you can be a hit now, not just in the future, now. And once you do that, it does a couple of things. Firstly, it allows you to develop talent and then sell it on. So you then have a sustainable business model. And yes, Arsenal have finance. And I know that the fans would like a lot more finance from the Cronkies, of course. Um, but you do need, in these days of FFP, a sustainable business model. And what Dortmund have done brilliantly is bring in talent, develop it, and sell it on. Now, the Arsenal's wouldn't be exactly the same mm -hmm. because Arsenal would think, well, hang on, keep we it. want to be the type of club that you sell those players we want to, to. keep. We want to keep it. Yeah, if course. we develop it, we keep it, yeah. Of course, but the 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 same idea in the sense that you can say to young players, come here and we'll develop you and you'll become a top player. Mm. Once you show players that works and that you can be competitive, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because when the next cab on the rank comes and the next young player comes, they go, well, he did really well at Dortmund. I'll go there. So what you want is, ah, look at all those young players doing well at Arsenal under that coach. I'll go there. I've deliberately not talked about the English players because we get a lot of that, you know, with Arsenal, of course, being in the Premier League. Jude Bellingham, for me, I can definitely see him going to Liverpool one day. He is the player I would go all in on right um yeah. no doubt about it there's a few people that have been asking about um Sh uh, uh, richard stick and uh it, yeah. and yedda from monaco ben Yedda. Kev? Ben Yedda. look with some ben Yedda as a goal scorer there's no there's no two ways about that uh, i wonder in terms of arsenal have done this a lot in the sense that they've brought in guys who've got track records elsewhere and it, but you'd have to pay decent wages. And I just wonder if the time for that has passed in a way mm -hmm. and that they do maybe... Uh, ben Yed is a good player. I mean, absolutely, he's a good player. Is he the right player to take Arsenal to that next level where they want to be? Maybe in the short term and not the long term, for me. And I do like Ben Yedda a lot. Patrick Schick is a really Schick, interesting yeah. one mm -hmm. because... There's a player who, when he was a youngster, was fated as absolutely the, the next big thing. Uh, absolutely the next big thing. And at Roma, he, looked, he, he had a, a move to Juventus that fell through. And he went to Roma and it didn't really work out um, for various reasons. And he's rehabilitated himself in the Bundesliga. He went to RB Leipzig, played really well. 
double figures for them. Leipzig couldn't make the numbers work, so Leverkusen have come in and he scored buckets of goals for them. And there's a guy who is excellent in the air. Uh, we saw at the European Championship uh, how well he did for the Czech Republic. He's a genuine, genuine focal point in attack. Leverkusen aren't keen to sell. At the moment, Schick says he's happy where he is. The fear for Arsenal might be what competition would there be? So mm-hmm. uh, I think he is certainly a player that could improve the team. And that's what you want. You want guys who improve the team and not just the squad. So he would definitely fit into that category. I saw a message go through about Ben Yedder. He's 30, but he's got vast yeah. experience. That's fine. And as I say, he may well come in and do a good job in the short term. But I just think in terms of the overall strategy, if you look at the profile of the players they're signing, mm-hmm. I don't think he fits that profile. Right, right. Uh, we've got two minutes left here with Kev. We're going to wrap things up with him. Um, what about out-of-the-box players like this? I don't know a lot about Adam uh, Hoslick from Sparta Prague. Do, do you, Kevin? Look, he's a player that there's been a lot of buzz about, Adam Klosek. Um, He's a guy that has come through at international level um, with the Czech Republic. But, I mean, that that's potential. Mm-hmm. That's potential. That, that, that would be a guy who you bring in and you would ease in gently. Is that's Balogun. That's Balogun in a well, way, this right? Is it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I've seen a lot of Balogun. I haven't. But there are a lot of people who seem to, and look, Kev, you would know better than me when looking at strikers. Um, there are a lot of people who seem very excited about him. So that's a really good point that you make because you have to be very careful about what do we already have? What's out on loan? Mm-hmm. And th- when players are out on loan, they have to have a feeling that, well, if I do well out on loan, I've got to have a genuine chance of doing something when I get back. So Mm -hmm. if you shut that door, and again, this is about perception in the future. If you slam that door and say, well, yeah, well done. You did brilliant on loan, but actually we've brought in three players and we don't need you anymore. That gets noticed as well. So all of these things, you've got to be super careful. Kev, what do you say to fans to get you out on this one? And I'm going to get your top, your who finishes fourth um, in a nutshell before you go. What do you say to fans like Leone? Um, there's a difference playing in Liga, Bundesliga compared to PL. There always seems to be this hierarchy of the PL. I love watching Bundesliga games. I like watching, you know, certain teams in, in Liga. What, what's your take on this? It's different. Of, of course, every league is different. Look, if, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the Bundesliga tax. And a lot of people are saying, well, you can look really good in the Bundesliga and then you come to the Premier League and it doesn't quite work out. I'm not sure I totally accept that, but there's no doubt that Jaden's found it difficult at Manchester United, but I would argue he's come into a football club that's fairly dysfunctional. That's the mm-hmm. truth of it. And mm-hmm. so... It's then very difficult, especially without much tactical input. I mean, my feeling is that Solskjaer showed that tactically he wasn't quite at it. Um, And so it's then difficult because Jaden had a lot of quite detailed instruction with guys like Lucien Favre, for example, 
Um, and so that's a bit of a, a bit of a change. Now he's back to the other extreme with Ralph Rangnick. People will say Kai Havertz, you know, hasn't been a success. Scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's not bad for a first season. But he's a guy that needs a team that's in control of games. And Chelsea, I think, is still finding a way to totally lock games down, have loads of possession and give him lots of chances to do something. I think still he's a massive talent. So I don't think we can give up on him yet. And Timo Werner, I'm a massive fan, but I'll be the first to admit his confidence has has been shattered. There's no question. So it's not happening for him at the moment. Players, so just to say about this comparison, players will tell you, so Timo Werner will tell you that the pace of it is the same. The physicality is not. Because you'll come up against defenders in the Premier League who are so strong, so difficult to get round. So quick as well. So quick. And, And that is a big difference. The quality of defending in the Premier League, I would say, is much bigger. The other thing as well, is that the Bundesliga is a counter-attack league. And it, it has been the whole time I've covered the league. So those moments of transition you get where a Werner or a Havertz or a Sancho totally come alive, that doesn't happen as much in the Premier League. So mm. there's going to be a natural adjustment there. Liga, I do think there's a quality gap. I, I do. I think Liga is not as bad as people make out, but there's a jump from Liga to the Premier League, I think. So... But then I look at Jonathan David and I think he's a big game player. I do think he's a big game player. I think, yeah, I know he's not always up against the the best teams in CONCACAF when he plays for Canada. But this is a Canadian team that's doing something that Canada teams don't do. Mm-hmm. And he's at the forefront of that. And he's a guy that fired Lille to the league and title. So could he cope with pressure? I don't see why not. All right, Kev, 400 plus in our live chat. Um, who do you think grabs that fourth spot in the Premier League? It's a tough one, I have to say. I, I do think if Ralph Rangnick is given license to really drill those players and the results actually, although the performances aren't where United fans want them to be, I actually think the results aren't bad under Rangnick so far. Mm. If I had to pick a team, I think probably United do it. I think it'll be close. I do think it'll be close. But I just think United have a guaranteed source of goals with Ronaldo. Whatever you think about the damage he does to the overall tactical setup, the guy scores goals. And so I do think the quality they have, the depth they have, probably just edges it. I think it's going to be close. I think Arsenal are in it. I don't think West Ham are because I think they'll get distracted by the Europa League. And Mm -hmm. I think they should be distracted by the Europa League. Because if you're West Ham, how many deep runs in Europe have you had? So why wouldn't you properly go for it? Because Mm -hmm. I look at the teams in the Europa League, there are some really good ones. But West Ham should feel... They can have a proper swing at that. Mm-hmm. Tottenham, I, I would never, ever back against Conte in general. No. I, I just wonder whether they might have a little bit too much to do. I think if Son misses too many games, I, I think that's a problem. So I, th- I think at the moment, 
I'd certainly put United a, a smidge ahead of Arsenal, and you're going to hate this, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'll <laughs> maybe have Tottenham a smidge ahead of them too. Only at this stage, but it's close. But look, Well, Kev, on that note, we'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I think the overall thing we spoke, the last time we spoke, I did talk about the fact that you are not, uh, you weren't a club at the time who... In general, I felt was that attractive to players in terms of European football, where the club was heading. I feel like they mm -hmm. are a lot more healthy than they were when we last spoke. I think they've done some really good work with changing the culture. I think it's taken a long time, mm -hmm. but I think they've done some really good work with changing the culture. I think they've made some interesting signings. Um, I like Ramsdale now. I'm a convert. I have to say, I wasn't sure before, but I like him now. I'm a convert. Um, but there's a lot of work still to do. And I think if they don't make top four, I don't think there should be a meltdown because I actually think you are going to get a section of the fan base who are going to say, we blew it. We didn't make the right signings in January. We could have got over the line. But in the end, if you get the right signings in the summer... It was the right thing to do. So I feel like for the first time in a long time, the overall direction of travel is probably right. The jury's still out on Arteta, but I feel like having made a lot of missteps, the guys above him are finally putting that plan in place. But we'll see. Well done, Kev. Absolutely brilliant. Gave brilliant. us um, more than the five minutes added time. <laughs> Kev, do you promise you can come back before the end of the season or just, you know, and and then we can talk about how we can try and get word to Udegaard to convince Haaland to come to Arsenal when we get a <laughs> European spot. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's worth a shot. Thanks so much for your brilliance as always, Kev. Uh, thank Cheers, you so Kev. much thank for hanging you, out mate. with us. Cheers, guys. The absolutely phenomenal Kevin Hatchard. How much do you love him, Kev? I love him. Uh, listen, the, the, the guy is pure knowledge and the way he, he puts it across is so great. Hey, listen, I've had a night off. I was just <laughs> listening. I was one of the squaddies here. <laughs> you know, I was one of the squaddies here, Sophie. But, you know, the knowledge he's got and he watches the players week in, week out. He knows it. He does know his stuff. But ultimately, as you know, Sophie... It's what Arteta and Edu, of it's course. what their plan is. We could, we could mention all these players, but it's their, their vision. Definitely. And, and you know what, Sophie? It, it is an important one. Getting the right players in is really important. Because yeah. all of a sudden, we've got, a, we've got a togetherness in that squad now. And if you bring the wrong player in... He's fought two for now to get the bad ones out. So to then go and bring a, bring one in who's a bad egg, he's, he's, you've got to be very careful. So, hey. Listen. The squaddies have missed your voice. They're, they've all been wondering if you're okay. I think, listen, after after me stopping the fireworks yesterday, I think you could, you know, I was just, I was just chilling in the glory of all that. And our good friend, Universal Greek Gosta said, yeah, it was a good show, but not as good as last Tuesday's. Uh, of course, of course, of course. Oh, absolutely brilliant stuff. But, you know, it's, this is, this is why 
This is why, Kev. Like, I love asking him these questions because mm. it's 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 kind of like Tomiyasu, Nuno, Sambi, those types of players. He sees them play a lot. You know, he covers. If you guys, you can follow him at Kevin Hatchard. He's brilliant. He's the voice of Amazon. Um, and does a lot of the Bundesliga English commentary. His knowledge is fantastic. He does all the radio stuff for UEFA.com as well. So he even knew, um, I think it was Joe that bought out the Slavia Prague player, like mm. knowing those. And it was interesting hearing your juxtaposition to that too, saying, well, we have a Balogun in that area. Exactly. And we that we young one, you know. Yeah. We can't forget those. We can't forget those, um, those things as because, well. Because remember, Sophie, there was an opportunity he was leaving and we fought yeah. two for now to get him to sign. Mm -hmm. So to go and bring another young one in who's going to be taking his spot, it makes no sense. We've put him on long to get experience so we could come back a better player. Exactly. So. Um, Olusola, I was joking about Haaland, but <laughs> also part of me. There's fireworks <laughs> going on in chat, trust me. <laughs> hey, is, is the tambourine boy not about? <laughs> Is the tambourine boys here. Tambourine? I, I don't know. I don't know if um if you haven't seen. And good evening to Danny, our good from Danny. from a Burkham Wonderland, top shelf geezer. If you missed Danny's um transfer show, go check it out. It was an eight, was it an eight or ten hour extravaganza yesterday? Um, but we love we love Danny. In fact, the first ever Arsenal podcast I appeared on, in case none of you know, was an invitation from Danny on a Burkham Wonderland. Nice. Always love, always love Danny. Um, stop bullying me, says Newman. But seriously, you've got to see... Matty K, will you send me the gif and I'll play it on the show on Thursday, for sure, of Newman stuck in uh, in a tambourine. We still have our research team looking for Newman actually appearing on the Highbury squad uh, from about two years ago, Kev. I'm determined to find it. <laughs> it's there somewhere. Um with I'm thinking about taking a day off tomorrow, Kev. I know you are not on the show tomorrow, so I was thinking about taking a day off, and I'm just wondering what the uh, squaddies think about that. Um, if they'll allow me, you know, like when you go into work and you put in your PTO. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm wondering if they'll sign my day off for me tomorrow. Uh, let's see what comes back. Um, we'll Rock the likes, guys. Yeah, Rock yeah. the likes. Come on. No days off, apparently, Kev. Um, MK <laughs> thinks I've earned it, but that's because MK's uh, from our Arsenal Los Angeles group. Welcome. Kev, I wanted to share something with you because you know at the end we like to do a few bits sometimes. Matty K Whoa. posted this, and I don't know. Um, Kevin Hatchard was asking us in the green room before we came live on air. Matty K, do you know what year this picture's from? Is it, it's, it, I said it's before the 60s, Kev. It's got to be. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when, but uh, do you know what? Do you know what I know? As soon as I see the picture, I got only the <laughs> clock. Look at all the rubbish on the terraces. It was me and David Illion they're waiting for to probably sweep it up. <laughs> We've done that a few times. <laughs> so... <laughs> Kev. <laughs> I'm not going to Dubai, no. If I'm not going to go to Dubai for one day. Uh, Kev, you and David Hillier, how much crap did you clean up Listen, in... <laughs> the whole stadium. We've, we've, we have done bits in the whole stadium. We've been on the roof. We've been North Bank. We've been East, <laughs> West, Clock End. 
in the in the JVC, obviously the Astro Turf. We've done it all at that club, Sophie. Trust me. The laundry rooms, the offices, we've done everything. What's the worst thing you had to clean up? Is it the toilets? Um, because the toilets are part of the dressing room, Soph. It is just one of them things that you've got to do because that's part of your duties, they call it. Mm -hmm. The actual hardest thing, the <laughs> hardest thing to clean was the old mini JVC coach. Could you remember we used to have a mini <laughs> JVC coach? Yeah. That was so hard to do. That was so hard to do. That was. It really was. Why? Because of all the, the size of it. <laughs> Sophie, what are you talking about? Why? The size of it. You needed ladders and you got to get on top. You're doing everything. And they'll come and check the top and all that. You, I'm telling you, it's crazy. Oh, my God. That's funny. The worst thing I've had to clean up my internet history. Oh, you know? <laughs> so it's funny. Kev, that, I mean, seriously, I wish, Frank Lampard has said this a few times, that I think it would have still been cool to look when i was starting off in the film industry i lost count how many cups of tea i had to make kev i was literally a tea girl i just made that tea i don't know how many cups a day i would make yeah i made tea for daniel day lewis and michael mann and i made tea for sigourney weaver and i just made tea all day long michael douglas like i'm making tea i'm the tea bag girl mm. kev how much would you love, like when you talk to like Tyrese going through the ranks now, it's very different mm. to how you went oh, through the yeah. ranks. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I asked, you know, what about your duties? And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, like, after games, don't you have to do the dressing rooms and all that? And he went, no, oh, we don't clean anything. And I'm like, damn, that was kind of <laughs> earning your stripes. That was yeah. getting, I'll tell you one thing that actually done, Sophie, it actually got you closer to the first team because you had to wait outside and the moment you pop your head around, a boot might come and hit you in the head, you know. One of them, they'll make sure you stay outside until you get the go-ahead to go in. But once you went, you were allowed in, they'll speak to you. You, you, you clean up, you do your duties and you, you, get, you get down to work, but they'll speak to you on the... They're watching you because remember, a lot of these players have been there as well. Mm -hmm. so they're watching how you work and, you know, do you work diligent? Do you just want to talk and do you want to skip things? So that that was really important for, for, for them as well to see how you were. So again, I, I just think it's, it's such a good grounding, but they've changed it, Sophie. And I don't think they've changed it for the better, by the way. Yeah. Universal Greek being in the music industry made lots of tea for Queen. Mm. Um, we can do, we love those shows, you guys. We'll do one in the coming weeks of, you know, we do our pop culture lifestyle stuff, which is um, amazing. I know Machine's cleaning boots now. I love Kev's story of who he, who he cleaned boots for and who was a good tipper. and, and Even who to this day. Let me tell you. Who Gordon, says you owe them money to this day, to Kim? To this day, Viv Anderson <laughs> cleaned his boots immaculately. To this day, he was the worst tipper you've ever seen as well. What a legend. To this day, he's, every time he sees me, he says, have you got my money for the boots that you never cleaned? <laughs> and I'm like, Viv, you're the tightest man going, man. What are you talking about? Everybody else gave me nice, nice, a nice little envelope. Well, 
he gave me what is he, he gave me tw- he gave me a score he gave me 20 quid and obviously i'm grateful for the 20 quid so but when you feel charlie nicholas's envelope oh hey big time <laughs> charlie no hold on you feel charlie nicholas envelope even george graham put a few in there theo foley and all that mm. and they get to viv viv's is like uh, what's that? <laughs> it's so light i wanted i want it to break the table so not just and it just goes Uh, we have a laugh about it. We do have love a laugh it. about it. Um, Charlie Nicholas was the best tipper, was he, Kev? Yes, by, by a country mile. Wow. By a country mile. I love that. Even, all, I'm shocked. All, all nifties as well. I'm shocked that George Graham <laughs> put a few bucks in an envelope. No, George, George Graham. But remember, he could take them back any time he wanted to <laughs> He is the manager. So what he gained, what he lost on the swings, he gained on the roundabout. So <laughs> do you know what? I could totally see him oh, acting no. like the hero at Christmas, oh. and then come January, you know, you're fine, Kev. How much am I fined? You find sixty quid. What? Uh. <laughs> you gave me fifty. Ten, a extra. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he was a guy, man. <laughs> Oh my God. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. Good stuff. We love these stories. More to come as well, you guys. Um, What a great show and a good way to end it on, you know, of course we're not happy about yesterday, but we move on onwards and upwards in life when we're challenged. We got to still get up, get to work, pay the bills, (laughs) pay taxes. (laughs) There's no, there's no other way around it, Kev. You know what, Sophie? Here's the thing. We're still going to, and we're not, it's not all doom and gloom. We're still expecting Arsenal to win games. Yes. We're still expecting Arsenal to go out there and win. Our first 11 is not gone anywhere. Our first 11 is still there. We need them on the pitch as much as possible, of course. But we still expect, aren't we? The Arsenal, we still expect them to win games. I, I, we need them on the pitch for 17 games. 17. If we don't get them on for 17, so we have to juggle a bit. But as long as we don't get too uh, too many injuries, we've got a chance. And let's hope this time in Dubai has brought the team even closer together. Um, very important. Very important that they were there and hopefully they've cut out all the noise from what's been happening over the last few days. And as I said on the show yesterday, mark this if you want to screen grab it. Maybe there's an ace up the sleeve. Maybe there's another young player that's going to come through and surprise us, not for 17 games, but maybe for a few games. We don't know, right? So, yes, it's been a massive risk in this window, but the club have clearly stuck to their strategic objectives and plan that they set earlier in the season. So, and, I've got a question for you. Yeah? Before we, before we wrap up. Is this a rest for Saka? All this time without a game, is it a rest? I, I would, you know what? Yes, this is the rest we've been wanting him to have. Mm. Great point, Kev. I asked you that yesterday. When is Saka going to rest? Yeah, and it's like, well, we it. haven't played in two weeks almost by the time we play next. Probably so, be three, wouldn't it? Be three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, be three I weeks. saw him out on a boat the other day on his social media. Enjoy it, son. Relax. Relaxing, lovely. Just take put, a load off. Put your feet up. Enjoy. Mm, um, sunshine, you know, yes. sunshine, warm weather training. 
come back and let's hit the ground running. Definitely. Yeah. Look, we're everyone feel how you want to feel. Don't let anyone tell you to feel otherwise. You can judge the transfer window as you wish. Mm-hmm. Then there'll be the mega judgment in May. And there's a few weeks to go until that day comes. Right. Uh, Super Kev, we might have the day off tomorrow. I know you have, you're off to do other things tomorrow. We will be back on Thursday. Thursday. Yep, we will be back Thursday. Um, Where we'll have more good stuff for you. In the meantime, Super Kev. Not only am I going to brock the neck, not your neck, squaddies. We're brocking the neck of the transfer. Finish. Gone. We move on. Squaddies, thank you for joining us. Sophie's going to have a day off tomorrow, but she's going to put a little something on for you. Mm-hmm. All right? So enjoy your evening, enjoy your night, enjoy your day, whatever time it is. Always remember, get on the phone or send somebody a text who you love and tell them you love them, please. Especially if it's your parents. Tell them you love them. Squaddies, we love you. And at ease, squaddies. God dang button. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad.